Thank you for joining us. Remember, you can watch our services live and view our archive at StevensCreekChurch.com, the Stevens Creek app, or on our Roku channel. And if our ministries have touched your life, we'd love to hear about it. Send us an email to mystory@stevenscreekchurch.com. We hope today's message encourages and inspires you. Enjoy the message. Suppose you could ask God one question. Well, what would that question be? You know, all of us have questions, and over the last several weeks, we've kind of been working through many of the questions that that you've had on your mind. Look, there were hundreds and hundreds and hundreds, and all of the questions deserve answers. Uh, and so we've done our best to, to highlight uh, the probably some of the most common questions are the, some of the most unique questions, and I appreciate your interest. This will be my last installment of this uh, until a later time, maybe. It was, uh, I'll say this, uh, there is so much interest in this uh, series, probably more so than anything in recent history, that um, no doubt that we've uh, touched a nerve here or maybe provided some answers. So we expanded it from a two-week series. Now it's a six-week series, but Pastor Dave's going to be kind of closing it out next week. And, um, and so uh, I've enjoyed it because it's caused me to, to go uh, places that I haven't been in a while, you know, in the scriptures and try to understand. And so uh, you've challenged me to learn, and any time that I learn, I uh, it makes, uh, it really just encourage, brings encouragement to my soul. So you know me, I like to start with something funny. And so this is not necessarily a joke, but a story. If several weeks ago, Patty came to me and said, hey, let's take the grandkids to, uh, to the zoo over in Columbia. I said, okay. So we loaded up the kids and went over to the zoo, got there. And as we were going around the zoo, we've got two grandkids, Summit's uh, almost four and Forrest is two and a half. And uh, great age, and so they walked around the corner. They saw the carousel, uh, and all of, they just wanted to ride the carousel. And so we bought tickets for the carousel and got on the carousel. As Patty had Summit, I had Forrest in my hand. Uh, and as we stepped up, and I put Forrest on one of those horses that go up and down. And so I could tell he was a little nervous about this. And um, and so as it started to turn, I started to speak to. Him. I said. Everything's okay. I said, I said, look at me. I'm smiling. I'm smiling. And he looked at me and says, I'm crying. I'm crying. I'm crying. So I snapped a picture of him. And so this is... (laughs) I thought that was pretty funny. So every, every since then, okay, when he sees me, he says, up, down, up, down, up, down. And so as I'm thinking about Forrest and going through your questions, a lot of you have questions, am I going up or down? <laughs> dun dun boom. Heaven or hell for those that not as awake as the others. And so we're going to dive into some of the afterlife questions. Uh, and I will probably go very fast because I've got a lot of stuff just like the others. And so you've got to listen quick. But I think um, it'll be good. So here's the first one. It said, help me to understand the book of Revelation and the sequence of the second coming. Now, first of all, let me give just a, a little thing. And, and you'll hear me say this. And if you ever hear me say this, feel free to correct me. Sometimes if I fall into a quick uh, movement, and I'll say the book of Revelations. But it is not the book of Revelation. So never add an S to it. You say, what's up with that? The reason 
uh, is this. There's only one revelation. It's the revelation of Jesus Christ. So just a little sm uh, small thing. So just think about that. But it said, help me to understand this book. Well, it is hard for me to uh, teach you the whole book of Revelation in five minutes, but I'm going to try to. Several years ago, I told uh, Pastor Todd, I said, we want to go through the book of Revelation. He said, okay. And so literally for 22 weeks, 22 weeks, we went a chapter a week. And we went up to it was like six months, and Pastor Todd says, he still remembers that, and it's been 15 years ago since we've done that, uh, and he just, he dreads it so much because it was such a long series. But anyway, I'm not going to force that on you, but let's just think about the book of Revelation. Um, it was written by the disciple John uh, when he was exiled to the Isle of Patmos, and uh, so many of the disciples or the apostles were um, were killed or martyred for their faith. Well, John was uh, exiled to Patmos. He was actually boiled in oil. He was uh, uh, put in a labor camp. Uh, some theologians feel like it was a, uh, that they, it was a quarry that he uh, dug rocks and so forth. But it was during this season. He was in the. Uh, he said, "I was in the spirit on the Lord's day, and God gave me this vision." Now we look at, the, and he wrote this vision down. It's the book of Revelation as we know it. And in this book, you'll see three things. You'll see things that were, things that are, and things that um, are, are yet to come. And so uh, the majority of things I want to talk about now are the things yet to come. But you, you focus on the first three chapters, and it talks about the church age. Uh, somebody asked the question, um, this one right here, it said, who made the church? I thought that was a good question. Who made the church? It, it fits into this uh, talk on Revelation. The church came into being on the day of Pentecost. On the day of Pentecost, the disciples were in the upper room. They prayed. The power of the Holy Spirit came down. They went out to be witnesses. 3,000 people were saved that day, and then 5,000, and then multitudes and multitudes, and the church came into being. And, and so that's how the church was made. So the first three chapters of the book of Revelation uh, talks about the church age, but yet the church age continues to today. We're living in uh, the church age. We are Pentecostals. We live in the power of the Spirit. The Spirit is in us and works through us. And so that's the first uh, part. Uh, as we move into chapter 4, um, I'm giving you a brief overview. First three chapters about the church age. The chapter 4, it, it, it makes a switch. It introduces the concept of the rapture. The rapture is when Jesus Christ returns to remove the church, all the believers in Christ, from the earth. The rapture is described in 1 Thessalonians 4 and 16 and 17. And it said, For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, uh, with a command, with the voice of the archangel and the trumpet call of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. And we who are alive and remain will be caught up uh, to, to be with the Lord um, forever. We look at the word caught up. That's the word that really means to be snatched up. And so that is the, uh, the concept of the rapture. People, believers who have died will have their bodies resurrected along with those people who are still living. And so, um, and they'll meet the Lord in the air, and this will occur in a moment, the Bible says, in the twinkling 
of an eye. I love those words. In the twinkling of an eye, it'll be instant and the rapture will take place. We go back to the book of Revelation. Where do we see this? After this, chapter 4, I looked up and there before me was a door standing open in heaven and the voice of the one I'd heard first speaking to me like a trumpet and said, come up here and I will show you what must take place after this. Now, you, you look at this and say, come on, Marty. You said, is that really the rapture? The words come up here? Well, here's why I say it is. Think about it this way. And, you know, I want to say this. This is deep, okay? So let's get ready. This is deep. Uh, up until this point, and that's uh, chapter 4 and verse 1, up until this point, the first three chapters, the word church or the word churches were mentioned 18 times. Okay, the first three chapters uh, uh, up into chapter four, the word church or churches have been mentioned 18 times. After this moment, the word church is not mentioned in the book of Revelation until uh, the church gets to heaven, and I think it's chapter 22. And so that would say to me that this is the point where the church is taken out of the equation, it's taken out of... of uh, of the earth and at this point the third thing the tribulation period begins you'll see this on the outline right here okay the tribulation period begins the tribulation will last seven years and it will begin with the antichrist signing a, a pack um, with the nation of israel it's going to be like a mid uh, mid-east peace treaty and he's going to look like a real hero Everybody, the world's going to flock to this man because he is the man to bring people together, okay? And so they're going to just flock to him, but about halfway through, the true colors of the Antichrist will be revealed. And so we start to see what's going to happen. So the vast majority of the book of Revelation, uh, chapter 6, all the way through chapter 19, um, will be to describe what takes place in that seven-year period of time after the rapture has taken place and before uh, the coming, second coming of Christ. So after that seven-year period, you'll see the second coming. Think about this. The rapture, Jesus doesn't come to the earth. He comes to the clouds. You'll be caught up to meet the Lord in the air. Notice that. You'll be caught up to meet the Lord in the air. But now we're talking after the tribulation, it is the second coming of Christ. Jesus will come riding on a white horse and everybody um, will uh, get on, all the believers will uh, be riding with him and they'll go down to the battle, um, the valley of Armageddon and have the battle of Armageddon and what we see here, this is not a come up, but this is a come down. So the battle of Armageddon, that's the next one. Uh, this is where Jesus will once and all defeat the enemy. Uh, Satan, uh, at this point when he is defeated, he will be placed in the bottomless pit uh, for a thousand years. He'll be bound for a thousand years. Um, and then he will be thrown into the lake of fire and brimstone and evil will be defeated okay uh, after that millennial reign um, he will be taken out of the bottomless pit put in uh, the lake of fire and then we'll see the marriage supper of the lamb and that is just a huge victory celebration uh, for Jesus 
Um, and so we will gather with him and, um, and we'll have the victory and then we'll usher in to the white throne judgment, okay? There's a lot of misconceptions about the judgment. This judgment uh, will determine who goes to heaven and who goes to hell. And at this point, he's going to ask you a question. You know, why should I let you into heaven? And your response will be or should be because I've trusted Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. And he'll say, enter into the joys of the kingdom. So, but then there's another judgment seat that you will go. You'll go to the judgment seat of Christ. Now, at the judgment seat of Christ, this is not determined whether you go to heaven or hell because you're already in heaven at this point, okay? And so once you make it in the gates, there's the judgment seat of Christ. Now, this is not where, okay, uh, thumbs up, you're going to get to stay here, thumbs down, yeah, you, gotta, uh, you cannot pass go, you know, you don't get your anything, you got to leave. It's not that at all. Once you're in, you're in, but this is the judgment seat. And what is the judgment seat? This is where the rewards will come, okay? Um, the judgment seat of Christ, you'll be asked this question, what did you do with what I gave you? What did you do with what I gave you? Uh, this is where you'll be rewarded based on how you have faithfully served. Um, you know, did you uh, serve Christ in his church? Did you help the, uh, the poor? Were you generous with your resources? Did you use your talents and abilities uh, in, a way, um, in the way that God had uh, equipped you to use them? And some of that's in the church and some of that's in the marketplace. Did you use what you have been given? And so as a result of that, uh, you'll be given rewards the Bible does talk about you'll receive these crowns for these rewards, but this is what we'll do with these crowns. We'll understand that it's not because of us, but it's because of him, and we'll cast our crowns and worship and say, Jesus, you deserve all the praise and honor and glory. And so that is the book of Revelation in, in less than five minutes, okay? So the next question is this, how do we know that we're living in the end times? Okay, how do we know that we're living in the end times? Um, <clears throat> I think there are four signs that will help you understand that you know that you're living in the end times. You'll start to look around the culture, okay, and you'll see that people will do their own thing. People will do their own thing. They'll be focused on themselves. They'll live for the moment. Jesus describes this in Matthew chapter 24 and verse 37. He says, as in the days of Noah, so it will be at the coming of the Son of Man. For in the days before the flood, people were eating and drinking and marrying and giving in marriage up until the day Noah entered into the ark. And they knew nothing about what would happen until the flood came and took them all away. This is how it will be at the coming of the Son of Man. And so it'll be, everything will be focused about uh, uh, that individual. They're doing their own thing. They're not worried about anything else. Here's a second sign. People will forget God. There will be this mass polarization the Bible talks about there's an end-time revival coming where people, uh, masses of people will be saved. But also, there's going to be this great falling away. 
and there's going to be such a polarization that you think what you see in our country now that there's a polarization, but there is going to be an increase of that um, because um, people are just going to push away from, from the Lord um, and, and they're going to go to their own devices. Okay, uh, the third thing, people will think that he is not coming. They're going to come to the conclusion that, hey, this is just a hoax. This is just a story. It's just a fairy tale. You know, I've heard all of my life that Jesus is coming again. But where is the sign of his coming? Well, Jesus deals with this uh, and said, be on guard because he will come as uh, a thief in the night. And so that's the fourth one. People will not be ready. Matthew chapter 24 and verse 40 said, Two men will be working in the field, one will be taken and the other left. Two women will be grinding with a hand mill, one will be taken and the other left. Therefore, keep watch, because you don't know what uh, day that your Lord will come. And so the Bible says he'll come quickly, he'll come like a thief in the night. Okay, that was quick, right? And sometimes I do wonder because we are going so fast, uh, but these questions are really just, for me, um, I hope that they introduce maybe a passion for you to go deeper or to, for you to pick up on your own and say, hey, I want to go a little bit, I want to know a little bit more about that. So we're introducing a lot of broad subjects so that those ones that you feel led to that you'll go deeper into. Okay, and so several folks had this asked this question: "What is heaven like?" And you ask it in many different ways. Um, first of all, let's define it. Heaven uh, is the dwelling place of God. It's the dwell. It's where God's presence will be. It's going to be a place. The Bible says of great light. In fact. Uh, when you get to heaven, there will not be a sun in, anymore because the light from the throne of heaven will uh, provide the light that we need. So the sun will not be uh, necessary at that point. What do we know about heaven? It is the place, I would like to say, as the place of no mores. There will be no more tears, no more pain, no more sorrow, no more separation. Um, but it will be truly a place where the presence of the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ will be. And you will see him face to face as the Lamb of God who gave his life for you and me. There are several symbols in the Bible that gives us insight about what heaven is going to be like. You know, in the, Old, in the New Testament it says it's going to be a holy city coming down. See, it's a holy city. It uses the word city, and I think within this concept of city, it actually means a community of people where the relationships of people will be genuine, that you can trust these people, that you can be genuine friends with these people. Heaven's going to be a place, you know, you talk about, uh, you talk about the gates of pearl, and, and you talk about um, the, uh, the walls around the city. I really feel like those are, uh, those are uh, descriptions, but they also are symbols. What do we think about when we think about walls and gates? We think about security. We think about being safe and secure. 
there's not going to be a place of fear. There's not going to be a place of anxiety. It's not going to be a place of worry that you're going to be completely safe. You know, you see, I talk about the white robes. And some of you say, man, I, I dread those white robes because I just don't look good in white. Um, but let me say this. What, that's a symbol that you're going to be able to walk without shame, without remorse. That you're going to uh, not have this sense of defeat or the hang-ups or the sin. That you're going to be completely free. You hear about rivers and streets of gold and diamonds. This tells you that heaven is going to be a beautiful place, that, that it's going to be a place that's going to take your breath away. I'll never forget several years ago, Patty and I took the kids, um, and I laugh about this, you know, uh, <clears throat> they were graduating college, this is going to be our last family vacation, and this is 10 years ago. Our last family vacation as a family. So we went to California for uh, three weeks and it went all over the state in a minivan. Uh, about 10 days into that, uh, Sarah said, Dad, I know you wanted to have this vacation, but we're ready to go home now. I said, well, you got 10 more, 11 more days. Sorry about it. Um, but I'll never forget going to the Sequoia National Park that, you know, you know that these trees are big. The Sequoia trees are big. You just know that. But when you drive around the corner and you see one for yourself for the first time, I mean, it is like, whoa, it takes your breath away. That's just one tree. I can't imagine what it will be like when we enter into heaven. It's going to be a place that takes our breath away. Okay, uh, a number of questions. A number of questions. Um, dealt with hell over and over it says you know what is hell really like some of you just got level honest said you know um, I don't believe uh, I believe that there is no hell okay now when I see this you know I just would say when I, I immediately say this person doesn't believe in the Bible you either believe in the Bible or you don't believe in the Bible you can't cut and paste uh, those sections you like. And, and in the Bible, it is a very real and literal place. And so I just want to say that. But the question is, oh, I love this one. It says, well, uh, why doesn't the, the church ever talk about hell and the devil? Well, this is your lucky day. <laughs> this is your lucky day. You came on the right time because uh, let's just dive in. <laughs> so the question was asked of me, what is hell really like? Well, there's a funny story. Uh, you know, have you ever seen these church signs out in front of the churches that try to uh, use their signage to try to get people to come to church? You've seen those. Um, you know, what's missing in our church, it has CH and then it has uh, another CH, UR, you know, all these kind of little funny things. Well, did you hear about the church that had one uh, trying to advertise the pastor's sermons to try to encourage people to come in and listen to what the pastor's going to preach about this week? And so uh, you rode by that and said, uh, uh, pastor's sermon says, what... Uh, is what hell is really like. And then they had some extra room to put another sign, and then it says, come early and hear our choir sing. <laughs> and so, well, I wouldn't describe the choir quite like that, but apparently they do. Um, and so what is hell really like? Uh, hell is a place of separation. It is a place of torment. Um, and it is a place of great pain. It is a place of uh, isolation and loneliness. The Bible often uses the word fire to describe it. Uh, in Mark chapter 9 and verse 48, it says, the, uh, Where the worm that eats them do not die, and the fire is not quenched. 
So it's compared to a place, interesting here, because you hear about it's a place of utter darkness because in Matthew chapter 22, the king told the attendant, um, tie him hand and foot and throw him outside into darkness where there's weeping and gnashing of teeth. It's interesting because you typically think about fire and light. And so uh, uh, God has created a fire and darkness. And so that is going to be the epitome uh, of, um, of hell. And the Bible gives... Um, very few particulars about it. But here's what the Bible says, that this was not intended for people originally. The hell was not created for people. Hell was created for the devil and his angels originally. In Matthew chapter 25 and verse 41, we see this. Then he'll say to those on his left, depart from me, you who are cursed, into eternal fire. Notice this, prepared for the devil and his angels. So that's what hell was prepared for. It was not prepared uh, for people. But what we have known is that there are people that would rather serve the devil and his angels rather than serve Christ. And so I don't believe that God will send anyone to hell. I believe that people who go there will make their own choice. They will decide. And, and I think God will say, based on your decision to live apart from Christ in your life, I will now grant you your request and allow you to live apart from Christ for eternity. That's how I see that. God's not sending. It's not God's will that anybody would perish. That goes against the heart of God. But you see, the thing is, you and I have a free will. We get to choose. You're going to go to lunch today or go home for lunch, and you're going to choose what you get to eat. The beauty of free will is that we get to choose. So not only do we get to make choices in this life, uh, we get to choose our next life. God is not going to go against your free will and make you go somewhere where you don't want to go. Don't, if, if you don't want to follow Christ that he will allow you to go with the place that's prepared for the devil and his angels. Okay? That's how I see that. And I, I feel like that scripture backs up what I say on that. Now, I said earlier on uh, that oftentimes uh, we will deal with things and it'll be, uh, if it's the Bible, you can take it to the bank. If it's my opinion, everybody has one. And there's some of these, you know, we'll just have to kind of work ourselves through that okay and so let's go quickly through the lightning round before we finish the last two questions uh the lightning round it, it could be um interesting here's one i guess this is for patty it says uh, does marty ever lose his temper he seems so calm um patty you want to stand up and answer that <laughs> no you're not going to answer that <laughs> good <laughs> if i ever do she can put me in my place pretty quickly um <laughs> Overall, I'm a pretty calm person, and so I just eternalize things, and that's why you have heart issues and that kind of stuff. <laughs> and so, yeah, you just kind of eternalize stress and all that stuff, and so I just, I smile. But, I, no, I don't, I really don't lose my temper. I have occasion um, uh, when, when people that I love get hurt, I get really angry with that. And so, um, 
uh, when people talk about uh, my family, I'll jump in and I'm going to defend my family. When people talk about my church, when people talk about you, I'm going to defend you. And so I'll have what Jesus would say, a righteous indignation. I'll come and I'll turn some tables over and, um, and we'll get this done uh, because I want, to, I want to take care of you. Okay, here's something. Um, uh, do people who commit suicide, uh, this is interesting to me, always interesting word, get through the gates of heaven to inside heaven? <laughs> okay, uh, I thought that was kind of interesting. If you're in the, inside the gates, you're going to be in heaven. But let's just talk about the real issue. Uh, another one that's closely associated, my, uh, my son died at age 19 of an accidental drug over, overdose. Um, he believed in God. Um, you know, is he in heaven? So these become, all of a sudden, we go from theory or, or from biblical lessons to something that is very real because we're dealing with it right here. So I have a couple of different stories about that. I believe that if that person um, is saved, um, that they will be in heaven. I was raised in a, a, a Southern tradition that said, you know, uh, suicide uh, once a person is suicide, you break a Ten Commandment, and then you go straight to hell, and so forth. You know, so uh, that was what was taught to me. But as I started to understand things, I started to see things differently. Um, because in the Bible, and this is my opinion, in, but I'm going to base it on Scripture. In the Bible, there's only one unforgivable sin, and that is blaspheming the Holy Spirit. So that's the only one. So that tells me that every other sin can be forgiven. And so if we see the grace of God, that it extends to that. Um, uh, also, I, you know, part of this is personal because shortly after Patty and I were married, her uncle uh, in his 40s, who is a brilliant man, um, helped uh, create the laser beam back in the day and, and so forth, one of these great scientists, but yet... He was probably, you know, back then, I don't know if you had these diagnoses. He was probably um, schizophrenic or something that had huge mood swings. Well, he was in a very deep and dark mood swing, and he took his life. I know, we know that he has accepted Christ at one point. And so we started looking at that, and um, here's what, and we trust, uh, we believe that he's in heaven. And here's what I've learned through the years. I've, I've relied on Genesis chapter 18 and verse 70, 75. It says, will not the judge of all the earth do right? And so I, I just trust that God is the judge. And, and I have become so much, I have given that job over to the Lord, and I don't do that anymore. I, 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 I say, God, this is in your hands. Uh, another one is about a drug overdose. We had a, uh, a family in the church that lost their son to a drug overdose several weeks ago. And, and this kid, I'm telling you, uh, he was on, I coached uh, sports in Columbia County for nine years. He was on my teams uh, on several years. Uh, he's been to 21 days of prayer. Uh, you know, I, I've seen his heart. Uh, but he had an accident, and he, he started taking um, medicines for pain, and then he got hooked on that. And, and he, it just took him to a very bad place, and he went through three times of rehabs and everything else trying to get that. And just, he worked all day, and then... Between the time he got off and the time he was supposed to be at his uncle's house, he died. And so I see cases like that, and I think the, the judge of all the earth is going to do right. I feel like back uh, with Uncle Lawrence's uh, thing, I think that there is a mental 
unstableness, if that's a word. He was mentally unstable. There was a sickness there. God is not going to judge somebody in torment because they're sick. Because they have um, something that is hurting. So you've got to see uh, a broader picture, and I think God loves that. Now, I am not giving you permission to go out and do that today. And I just want, to those of you that are struggling with that, uh, there are other, other ways to deal with that. And so please hear me on that. And so it's, it's really challenging to, to deal with a subject like that because I don't want to encourage in any other way. Anyway, life is precious and your life is precious. Okay? That's a deep one, isn't it? Here's another deep one. And I just don't want to... It says, uh, how do we bring hope to a hopeless situation? My nephew is just sentenced to life without parole. Uh, I just say, with God, um, all things are possible. Uh, this is his place in life at this point. And I would say you can find hope in the Lord. And so put your hope in the Lord and realize that maybe now he has an opportunity to make a greater impact, but maybe it's within a confined area and not out um, um, in society. It's tough, though. Okay, I, I'm a science major. I live uh, with people. I work with people of a different faith, and some of them faithless. Man, how do I respond to those people who are faithless? Well, you've got to be nice to people. And if you're nice with them, maybe they'll see uh, God's work in you. Uh, here's one. Say, hey, about, I'm, I know about divorce and everything else, and I'm trying to work it out. But, you know, I am in an emotionally and physically abusive situation. Uh, man, I wrote it out on that. I want you to run to safety. Where if you're in an emotionally or physically abusive situation, run to peace and run to safety, okay? Uh, what about feminism? Um, uh, what, you know, it says, what does Jesus say about feminism? I think Jesus came um, and he said uh, that there's no male or female, Jew or Greek, but all are one in Christ. And, and I'll tell you, uh, you've got to see the New Testament. The old, uh, he came and changed the game. He changed how we worship, and he changed how we should treat one another. And so Jesus gave his life for all. Uh, we at Siemens Creek, um, you know, we have uh, uh, male and female pastors. Yesterday I attended a funeral uh, where I sat in the audience, and Dorna Adams, who is a licensed Church of God minister, she did the entire funeral and did a great job. And so, um, so at Stevens Creek, we... Uh, we believe that we're all one in Christ. Is it okay uh, to ask God for, uh, for the same thing more than once? Yes. Um, what about, uh, can you be committed to someone in the eyes of God without being married uh, through the state? And so the laws of the state versus the laws of, man, I have talked about this over and over in my mind and in the staff. This is a, a huge one. Um, in the end, I would look at motives. And I, would, I want you to listen. Uh, here's the deal. Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. And I want you to kind of work through that. But I want you to think about this. Are you trying to just to save money on your taxes? Jesus said, render Caesar what is due to Caesar. And so what's the motivation behind that? And so uh, render it to Caesar. Pay your taxes. Okay. Um, is that fair enough? Okay. So I'll, I'll move on. I, I hear the music in the background. And so, um, and the music tells me it's time. But okay, is it okay to be cremated? Okay, this whole concept of cremation has really taken uh, root recently. And I think the reason it's taken root and become so popular is a financial issue. It's a financial reason. And I think probably 
I'm not in the funeral home business, but I think somewhere along the way, people felt like that they were uh, having to pay too much for the service of a funeral, and it just got out of hand. And so um, the concept of cremation came up, a low-cost offering to do that. Now, uh, you know, when I first started the church, very rarely were people cremated. Um, but you see this more and more every day. So what's my take on that? Here's my take on that. Uh, you're created out of the dust. The Bible says that you're going to return to the dust. That's Genesis chapter 3 and, and 19. Uh, cremation gets you there a little bit quicker. That's a, okay. That's my take on that. that Again, that's my opinion. I can't face it any of that. Okay. So, um, so will I see and know my family in heaven? I say, yes, you will. You'll know as you have been known. Uh, we see examples of this of Moses and Elijah. They appeared on Mount Transfiguration. They knew each other. Um, and God's going to use this time to transform us, to change us. Interesting story. Uh, you know, our bodies will be transformed in Philippians chapter 3 and 20. Our citizenship's in heaven. And he goes on to say he'll transform our lowly bodies and be like his glorious bodies. So several months ago, I got Botox. Now, before you start looking at my wrinkles and say, man, that didn't work, did it? <laughs> well, it didn't work. No, uh, I had uh, on the top of your, at the end of your esophagus, right before your uh, stomach, there's a sphincter there. And so... Um, I had Botox on my sphincter. And so uh, when I go into a hospital or whatever with the church our size, I'm going to know somebody, okay? And, and so hip is out the window, you know, and I don't care. I'm just an open book, you know, I'm, I don't worry about all that. And so, uh, so I'm just talking to people and the, the doctor that's doing it, you know, knows of me and his friend, all this stuff. So anyway, it just so happened the person that put me to sleep for this is a creaker. And so we were talking and everything else, and she, uh, she said, Pastor Marty said, you wouldn't believe it a few weeks ago. This is a local hospital, so this is 2019. And said, um, there's a man uh, that coded during the procedure, and that we brought him back. And, um, and so he said, when he woke up, he said, I had the strangest dream. He said, I dreamed that I was running down a long hallway and I saw my mother and I ran and I put my arms around my mother and then I woke up. And then she said, Pastor Warren, she said, he doesn't have legs. And so not only do we get a glimpse that we know our loved ones in heaven, but we see a picture that this man that did not have had his legs amputated now has his legs where he can run. So heaven is a place of healing. We often pray, God, let your uh, kingdom come down on heaven as it is, uh, on earth as it is in heaven. I don't know what you need today, but I do know that the kingdom of heaven is here and that he is here to bring comfort and he's here to bring strength. You don't have to live in fear and you don't have to live in worry. But there's a better day coming. And God loves you and he has a plan for your life. I'm going to pray for you, okay? Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray for this good congregation. These people are sweet, they're kind, they're loving. 
And Patty and I are just are such an honor just to be able to be here. And it's my heart that you would just touch everyone here in this room, those that are struggling, those that just need that encouragement. I, I just speak life over you, and I speak hope over you. And I just want you to pray this. Say, Jesus, I receive what you have for me. And I pray this in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. I want you to listen to this. Amen. Amen. Thanks for listening. If you would like to help support the ministries of Stevens Creek Church, please go to StevensCreekChurch.com and click the Give button. See you next time.